It's the first episode of the Jersey Hardwood Podcast for the 2020-2021 season. I'm Steve Titchener. I'm joined by Matt Lachlan and Johnny Hoops McAlevey. This podcast covers Rutgers and Seton Hall basketball and other Jersey basketball news when it comes up. And we're happy to have our sponsor back from last year, our friends at LG Insurance. And of course, we're covering the season opener for RU and Seton Hall. And of course, it ended with heartache last year. Rutgers was going to get into the tournament after a long, long drought. Seton Hall, of course, had was poised to go to the Sweet 16 and beyond. They had uh, a great team. So really, really a disappointment. Uh, but let's put that in the rearview mirror. Let's start with Rutgers, number 24 Rutgers. Can you imagine that, John? Number 24 in the country opening up against Sacred Heart tomorrow night. Can you imagine number 24 in the country? Yes, I can. The way they played last year. I mean, going into last year of the preseason, you would you would have laughed and said, the number 24, come on, let's let's get real here. But, you know, what Steve Peichel has done since, since coming over from Stony Brook, where he did a fantastic job, I mean, Anybody that would have thought that he'd have this team this quickly, I mean, in four years, look where, where as you said, they were poised to make the first NCAA tournament in forever. Um, and, of course, the, the whole global pandemic shut everything down. But he's returning three of his best players. He's got uh, well, three of he's returning four starters, you know, Ron Harper Jr. and, and the crew. He's got uh, Paul Mulcahy back for another year. He's poised to take a big leap forward. You bring in the prize rookie uh, freshman Cliff Omaruyi, and uh, the, the calling card for Rutgers is their defense, and they were phenomenal in the Big Ten last year, one of the tops in the country, and uh, as I always tell my kids uh, at my level, offense comes and goes, but defense travels, so they're going to bring that same lunch pail, uh, hard helmet uh, mentality defensively, and if they can find enough points with Miles Johnson and the crew there, then, uh, then they should be just fine this year. They'll be fun to watch. And yeah, it's been coming for a while under Pico. We, you know, anyone, as you said, Johnny, who, who followed his career knew what he can do. Uh, but at the same time, would he be able to do it at Rutgers? And you just saw it. You know, each year getting better, recruiting better, playing better. And there's no question that uh, Rutgers has arrived, and they will be a team that anyone in the Big Ten has to deal with uh and they found that out particularly last year but uh the rack who knows how the home record will look this year with no fan but nonetheless the rack uh, paved the way for success last year and uh they're they're really poised uh, it's, it's not really a surprise you knew he'd roll up his sleeves and he's dug in and good for him and it's a good point, Matt, to see how they would do without the crowd at the rack, because here it is. It is the Big Ten, so they're number 24, which is awesome. But, oh, by the way, Iowa, number five. Illinois, number eight. Michigan State, number 13. Ohio State, number 23. You know, four teams ahead of them right now in the preseason rankings in the Big Ten. Just tells you, Matt, how tough the Big Ten is. Very good. Uh, better basketball conference than a football conference the depth of great teams is far deeper depth is deeper of course it's far it's a far deeper basketball conference than is a football conference so uh the big Ten's never been easy and you know even the teams that you know this year might not challenge for a conference championship or for a national crown are, are going to be tough outs it's it's not easy it's a very difficult basketball conference 
I've got two words for you, Steve. Luca Garza, look out <laughs> below, right? Yeah. He's back for uh, for his senior year. And you mentioned Illinois loaded with uh, Io Sunmu and Kofi Coburn. They both came back. That was a surprise. They have a phenomenal freshman. Adam Miller uh, is someone to keep an eye on. The Big Ten is loaded in hoops. You know, Michigan State is always there. You know, Michigan State with uh, Izzo. Uh, they just seem to, you wake up and it's, it's just reload 16 and there they are, or the elite eight, you know, they're mm-hmm. just there. So, uh, Hey, listen, you're, you you want to beat the best. You got to beat the best. So, um, this is where, where Rutgers finds themselves. And, and it's nice this year. They're, they're going to be going into these arenas that unfortunately will not be full, but in years past, they'd be going in with one arm tied behind their back this year. They're right there. They've got talent. I mean, as I mentioned, Geo Baker and, and Ron Harper Jr., Miles Johnson and Paul Mulcahy. You just go down the list. They have guys that can do some things and they have some depth. And um, I, I, as I said, their defense is their calling card and it all begins with that. So it should be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Hopefully there won't be too many fits and starts with with positive tests and, and teams, you know, having to shut it down for a while. That's the only thing that could really curtail having a really good basketball season. Yeah, I think we talked about this at the start of every season, right? Baseball had a deal with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Football had some issues, uh, continues. I'm talking about both college and the NFL. But I think in the end, you start these leagues and and, and college or pro start to figure it out. And I think we'll get through the season. I don't think there's any question. I think what will help is that the campuses are empty now. And so it's just the teams and there's really no excuse uh, for the bubble to be broken, although this virus doesn't give a damn, you know, you know who you are or where you're at. If you slip just a little bit, it grabs you and pulls you down. But I think that will help. Right now, we're seeing a lot of games being canceled. We see a lot of teams being put into quarantine. We see coaches picking up the disease, et cetera. But I think it's as a result of these campuses being open to a degree. You know, some of them were long distance learning, but there were kids on campus and, you know, the basketball teams are part of, of the campus culture. And I think it was easy for it to uh, sneak in. But I think once it comes down to just the teams and that's the way it'll probably be for another two months, I think that will help. But yeah, there are going to be cancellations. There are going to be teams that are severely affected. So that's the unknown about this season, how it's all going to play out, what teams are able to handle that. And, you know, what do you do? When you have to miss, in the case of the Big East, like they're saying 14 days, you have a positive case, it's 14 days of a shutdown. Not every conference is doing that. So, you know, it's going to affect, no question, what goes on around the country. Oh, yeah. So, Matt, are you trying to say that the Seton Hall team will not be taking any unauthorized trips down the bunnies or the reservoir for pizza? <laughs> they're not allowed to do that? You'll have to limit that, that's for sure. But, you know, Seton Hall has had it. I mean, they had both the men's and women's team have had a quarantine. Men's team, as we record this, is supposed to begin practice today. And then that brings up another question. What do you do? And, and, you know, I know we'll talk about Seton Hall a little bit later, but, you know, what do you do if you're you're Kevin Willard? You've not been allowed to practice. So now you've gone 14 days and you've got a game coming up on Friday. This is Tuesday morning. Are you going to be ready? Uh, are you at full strength? Have there been lingering effects? Because we don't really know who's been affected. Uh, we just know who's among the tier one personnel, uh, which is coaches, managers, staff, and players. Somebody in there, or maybe more than one, got the disease. Everything has to shut down. So 
you know, it's, it's going to have a significant impact. There's no question about it. And hey, listen, positive news with a vaccine coming, but still that kid, that's, that won't, uh, that won't be a factor until well into 2021. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch and see how it uh, rolls out, especially at this time with the spike the way it is to see if these games can actually be played. And that's a very big challenge for Seton Hall um, without any practice to go in and then, oh, hello, go to Louisville and, uh, and play well, a very but good But they deep. shouldn't be there, yeah. Steve. Yeah. And, and Rutgers shouldn't be playing Sacred Heart. <clears throat> I don't understand this. And I listen to the coaches and they say, well, you know, we need to play out of conference games because when we seed for the NCAA tournament, we need to have some sense of where we stand by playing a tough conference, uh, a, a tough opponent. Now, not suggesting that Sacred Heart rises to the level of Louisville, but why, why is Rutgers playing an out-of-conference team? Why is Seton Hall in Louisville? Why are they playing that game? Why is Baylor coming to New Jersey? Why can't it just be a Big East conference schedule? Why can't it just be the Big Ten? And I get it. There are conferences that would say, well, then because the Big Ten has a reputation, the Big East has a reputation, you know, what are, what are the smaller conferences going to do to show that they should get a second or a third team? Because they won't play out-of-conference games. Guess what? Guess what? My so, sister hosts Thanksgiving, has it for the last 25 years. It's her favorite holiday. She loves having the family come in. She ain't hosting this year. Yeah. We're not <laughs> going down. To, we're not going down to LBI. Knows. We go down to LBI every year. We're not. We're staying home with the family. So yeah, there's you know, a, that's a good point. Us, most of us are all making adjustments, have made adjustments. And I don't understand why college basketball isn't just going conference only. Now, by the way, as did football Seton will be right. Well, I mean, Hall will be playing Baylor and that's a nationally televised game. So let's not forget the financial impact of whatever Fox is, is paying these schools and however that works and paying the NCAA. So I get it to a degree, but I don't get this push to have it started uh, so quickly. Uh, I know we want normalcy, but it's a little puzzling and, and we're seeing what's happened. You know, uh, I know, by the way, I didn't, I didn't, real, I didn't realize Seton Hall's situation in terms of practice and having virtually none. I mean, that's, that's the number two team in the country. That's, uh, it's Sunday. Well, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, by the way, the number two team in the country whose coach has the disease. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it is. Yeah. And so, but they're still practicing and they're going to come. Well, wait a minute. Are you kidding me? Now, well, they were Texas supposed for to play you. Mohegan Sun. They were supposed to play was it Arizona, Arizona State. And that school said, we're not going. Your, your head coach had the disease. How could, yeah. it not go, how could it not go through the team? So we're not going. So how is it that Baylor is going to persist despite the fact that their head coach had the disease? You know what else is crazy, guys? You know, because if you think a player isn't talking to that coach face-to-face, you're nuts. Yeah. You know, these preseason tournaments that everybody gets revved up for, I know, you know, you put them on at Thanksgiving time when you're waiting for the turkey and everything to come out or you're having your your sandwich uh, leftovers the next day. And the, the Maui Invitational is on mm-hmm. every year. You know, they got all the best teams. And it's always, you know, Duke and Kentucky and Kansas. They're always in there. But, you know, smaller schools, lesser schools, you, you get invited to that maybe once every 15 or 20 years. Well, this was the year that my Providence College Friars were – supposed to be playing in the Maui Invitational. Well, it's still going on, but it's going to be held in Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> so you're talking, hey, guys, we're going to Maui, but oh, right. wait, it's in Asheville. Well, they're, they're, 
they're near an ocean. It's just a different ocean. Yeah, like, whoa, I fell asleep on the flight, but, geez, this was a shorter <laughs> flight. And where the heck, how did we wind up in Asheville? These kids yeah. are ready for yeah. a, you know, the trip I mean, of their lifetime. The mountains, but it's close enough to the Atlantic Ocean that, you know, you can, uh, you can at least right. believe that, that uh, you're by the water. Oh, my God. Yeah, but you see how things have, have really yeah. changed. And so uh, hopefully we're going to get, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we're going to get through the woods. And, and by this time next year, we will be having this podcast down in Steve's basement studio with uh, with no masks and sitting right next to each other if we want to, holding hands. Remember that? Yeah. We used to do shows where we sat next to each other. And we actually, you know, it's it's been so long, but uh, we'll get back to that well, for sure. Well, and here's the other thing, yeah. going, uh, you know, different rules for different conferences. So the NCAA suggests the 14-day quarantine. Now, the Big East is following that. Well, why? Val Ackerman, the Big East commissioner, uh, has a position of prominence and and is well-respected by the NCAA. She's involved in a lot of Team USA or USA basketball things. So she is going to do what might or might not. We don't know. Does it have to be 14 days? But that's what the NCAA is saying. And the commissioner of the Big East is not going to go against it, given her, again, position of prominence in the basketball world. But you know, other conferences are saying, screw it. We'll just sit this kid out. Uh, we'll keep going. And so it, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. Well, it we'll is, see. Uh, you got to assume that there will be some cancellations uh, uh, moving forward. Of course, Rutgers set to uh, tip it off tomorrow night at the rack, uh, Sacred Heart. And as you had mentioned, uh, John, uh, Peichel has done a great job. And I mean, they, they have a great opportunity here. Not only has he done a great job, they've got an experienced team here. I mean, you got Geo Baker and, and Jacob Young are the two seniors. And then you've got a, just a host of juniors here. You've got uh, uh, Montez Mathis. You've, you've got Miles Johnson. Uh, you got uh, uh, Ron Harper Jr. Um, so this is an experienced team. So the next two seasons are a big opportunity for them. And it's going to be exciting to see what happens with you know, the development of Clifford Omarui. That's, you know, big, uh, uh, a big get for the, the, them in the offseason. A uh, guy from Roselle Catholic. That's going to be exciting to watch. And they got some other guys, too. Uh, you know, the Oscar Palmquist and uh, and Mawat Mag, the uh, Australian kids. So a lot of uh, good recruits coming in. It's very exciting uh, on the banks yeah. these days for Rutgers basketball. Absolutely. Let's get it tipped up. I can hear the sneakers squeaky, screeching in the background. Can you guys? We're getting ready. Well, let's, hope, right around the corner. <laughs> let's hope these games get played. But as you know, Matt alluded to, man, a lot of issues and we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's and I didn't realize how dire it is for, for Seton Hall not practicing. Let's, so let's take a break. Let's hear from our sponsor. Let's get back. We'll talk some Seton Hall after this. And we're back on the Jersey Hardwood podcast, our first show for 2020-21. And again, I want to thank our sponsor, LG Insurance. Aaron's on board again for another season. We're very happy about that. Let's talk Seton Hall. Matt, and you talked about the issues and the struggles in terms of just getting on the court to practice and then talk about being thrown into the fire. Louisville and then Baylor. I mean, how that's going to be a tough thing to prepare for when you're not even on the court. 
Well, listen, Kevin Willard's never backed down from a challenge, and Seton Hall is always under Willard's tutelage, played a strong out-of-conference schedule. And so as we discussed earlier, I think some of it's a little crazy. I don't know why these schools insisted on, on playing uh, an out-of-conference schedule, but if you're looking at the NCAA tournament and you want to get better seating and there's money involved, let's not lose sight of that. Um, so they are playing. And yes, it is a difficult start to the season. There's no question about it. And he's pretty well equipped, though. Don't look past them. Uh, certainly, Miles Powell was a great player for Seton Hall. Uh, you know, among the best to ever play for the Hall. And we wish him well uh, in his pro pursuits. And let's see if he can make the New York Knicks after signing, though not being drafted by them. Uh, but they've got a ton coming back. And they're going to be really, really good. Uh, they've got more depth. Um uh, they have a true point guard in Bryce Aiken, which they did not have last year. Quincy Powell uh, played it capably, and he was a good soldier, but he was not a true point guard. Bryce Aiken comes over from Harvard. He is a point guard, and that's the kind of player you know Willard has needed. Um, and so they're good. They're deep. Sandro Malashvili, you know, tested the waters to see where he might rank in terms of a possible NBA career, maybe overseas. He explored that in the end. He decides to come back. He's a player who's gotten better and better. Jared Roden is a terrific player. So they've got, they've got an awful lot and they're going to be good, but yeah, out of the box, it's awfully tough. Matt, doesn't it just feel good to say Sandro Mamukalashvili again? <laughs> it's this time of season. You, how often? I mean, it's not like in the middle of baseball season you're going to throw out a Mamukalashvili. No, that doesn't happen all that often, John. That's no, for sure. So, so it does it, feel good to be able to say it. It does feel good. And you mentioned losing Miles Powell. I mean, if you could have listen, every team you felt bad for all all the seniors and everybody last year, but on the local front here, Seton Hall was really you know, the arrow was pointing towards a super finish and, a, and hopefully for them, a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, unfortunately that all gets washed away. Uh, he graduates not to come back. I don't know how all those teams passed up on him in two rounds, a guy that clutch that can put the ball in the basket from anywhere over half court. Matt, how does he go undrafted? But uh, that's for another day. The Knicks, um, hopefully, as you mentioned, he, he can make that team because they, they lack outside shooting. So uh, he, he's able to do that. But, you know, another guy that they're going to miss this year that's not easily replaceable, who nobody knew who the heck he was a year ago, was Romaro Gill. Yeah. Um, the way he just shut teams down. I mean, you, you got anywhere near the paint. And Quincy McKnight and Powell and the guards, they were leaking out because they knew Big Row was going to send anything back. So they were off to the races. Now, whether Ike Obiagu can step in and help out there, he's just as big. And I think he's more athletic. But he, for one reason or another, he didn't have the, the defensive presence that uh, Romero did last year. But they're, they're looking for big things from him. Um, you know, Tyrese Samuel is another guy as a freshman who was really good. Um, at times and then got lost at other times, but he's a big guy. He's going to have to step up right away. And, and Matt, you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation of this name, but to call Molson, is that how you yes. pronounce it? I'm, yep. I'm looking to see how many times or, or how long it will take for uh, the scoreboard to have Molson golden, um, <laughs> you know, when he Oh, you know, big. the social media people at the school and the big East are all fired up for that. 
Yeah, but I've read about him. He's supposed to be a really nice player coming over from Canisius. So. From Canisius, yeah, transfer. Yeah, throw him in the mix. Jared Roden, you mentioned, it's a big year for him. He took a step up in one year. Can he step up another year? And the other bugaboo, and then I'll leave it for Steve, is um, Bryce Aiken is really, really good when he's healthy, but he's not healthy all the time. And that's the big concern I would have is he gets hurt all the time. Thing for me is uh, the story for Seton Hall this year is that Miles Powell's not there because my God, I loved that player, and he made a Seton Hall a good Seton Hall team, if not great, very very good. And him not being there, I mean, is a big hole for them, as we as we as you guys mentioned. But you know, as you said, Matt, they're still they're still very very good. They got a lot of size. Uh, Mamu Kalashvili can do anything on the court. You know, they got Obiago is that big dude, you know, having that big presence in the middle there helps. I mean, Miles Kale's still there too, guys, right? Uh, Jared Roden's a nice player. I think that it really, a lot, a lot will ride on Bryce Aiken. Now he's coming over from Harvard. This is the Big East, guys. I mean, how's he going to perform? Are you you confident, Matt, that he's going to step up big if he can stay healthy? Oh, yeah, 100%. He's a very good player. He's also older, and that's a big advantage, too. But there's no question. He's got all the tools to play in the Big East. So he's a great get. Um, and I think uh, I think Jared Roden's going to be phenomenal. I think, you know what happens sometimes? And listen, you can't diminish uh, what the absence of Miles Powell means. But sometimes people defer, right? They're all alpha dogs, let's be honest. They're all alpha dogs, but there's always the king dog, the king boss, and that was Miles Powell. Well, now let's see who steps up. You know, um, Miles Kale, just such a hard worker, but just struggled with his outside shot. Who knows? Now this is this is maybe his team. Uh, will it be Miles Kalashvili's team? Um, so somebody's going to have to develop uh, that you know, to be the leader. Take take that last shot. But they've got a lot more weapons. They were so dependent. Look, they were very good last year, but they were so dependent on Powell. Mm -hmm. Now they can spread it out a little bit. Um, They'll be able to get the ball inside a little bit more because Bryce Aiken is a really good point guard, and they won't have the shooting guard necessarily firing away from 35 feet and making the overwhelming majority of those shots. So uh, it's going to be a different-look team. They're going to be able to – they'll be a better defensive team, I think, so the, there's reasons why mm-hmm. they're not ranked in the top 25. They got some votes. There's reasons why no one is talking about them being the Big East Conference champion, but you sleep on Seton Hall at your at your own risk. Oh, no, because Kevin yeah. Willard's an excellent coach, man, and he gets those guys ready. He did a great job. They had a lot of injuries last year. He did a great job put, getting it together. And, you know, and, uh, and again, um, they're, you know, yeah, you can't sleep on that team. They're going to be very good. I'd love to see the the Garden uh, the Garden State Hardwood Classic. It's uh, still up in the air. What are you? What's the latest you guys are hearing on that? I mean, I, I heard a maybe on it. I think yeah, it's still there. Yeah, still is a maybe. Yeah. I think that there's. We mentioned before that there's openings on the on the calendar that uh, that maybe they could fit this in, um, but um, I'm not sure now, Matt. Uh, I have not seen this or not. Is Seton Hall going to still play their home games at the Rock, or will they be playing them on campus? No, they're playing at the Rock, but you do bring up another issue. Newark is in a voluntary shutdown, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know, 
who knows what tomorrow brings, right? But yeah. uh, but for now, no, they're playing their games at Prudential Center, and let's not forget that's a big issue because the game yeah. is going to be at Prudential Center, and that's a big crowd, and that's a big gate. So if Rutgers is willing to say, hey, we'll play next year at your place, and then we'll get back on the odd even thing, you know, where we, you can come to the rack after that, great. But you know, if they don't, then Seton Hall sitting there. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a pandemic. You're not helping a brother out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe so, what they do is, if they can't play this year, they play twice next year. That would be uh, awesome. Home hey, why not? Right. Hey, listen, it's great. Yeah, the other thing is, you have to have a runway for these schools, right? Even though Seton Hall and Rutgers are both playing out of conference games and trying to get going as quickly as they can, you've got to leave some room as a just in case. So. I don't know if you want to schedule that game necessarily right now. Um, do you want to say, you know, let's leave this date open and both sides do until we move further along and then say, okay, great. Looks like the spread of the disease is not as bad as we thought. Uh, we're able to work this game in, but you know, you got to leave some room for those conference games to try yeah. to reschedule those. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a puzzle. And it's good days for the Jersey Hardwood podcast, right? Because that's, that's such a great matchup. Both these programs, Rutgers and Seton Hall, are on the up here. They're both, you know, you know, top 25, potentially top 25, both programs. I mean, it's really exciting uh, moving forward. So you want to see that matchup, can understand the challenges with, with COVID and all that. But, Johnny, I'll ask you this. You're Mr. Big East with Providence. Where do you see Seton Hall in the Big East? What, what, how's the Big East playing out? I think, well, the Big East is always, you know, going to start with Villanova, as they say <laughs> down the main line. So Villanova will be number one. Uh, Creighton, I think, is going to be really good, uh, although they just lost one of their better players to an ACL. They just seem to, every year, they lose someone to an ACL. But, you know, Marcus Zagorowski, the point guard, is the preseason player of the year. He's going to be really good. They shoot the ball from everywhere. Um, there's They're a team that is, funny we mentioned about crowds they're always like second or third or fourth they know they're always top five in the nation in home attendance where they get like twenty five thousand or so at every game well it's going to go down to zero so their home court advantage is is going to be taken away but they're going to be really good um you know i think i think the friars are going to be pretty good i think they'll be top five i think seton hall i think seton hall's in the top five in the conference preseason i think it's uh consensus is villanova uh creighton uh providence in the mix there i think um st john's is going to do okay i'm still not sold on that there are people who are more sold on the johnnies than i am i want to see it before i believe yeah. it but we're we're leaving out we're leaving out the big elephant in the room they're back yeah. They're back. UConn back in the conference. Oh, and, boy. You know, Kevin, Kevin Willard has made it clear at the at Big East Media Day. He said, yeah. it sucks that they're back. <laughs> he voted against it, even. He voted I against it. And, and, you know, there are a couple of reasons why. First off, why do you want to bring another team in? <laughs> That's really, really good. Yeah, and recruiting, uh, right? Right. And you know what? Does, does the Big Ten play home and home? No, they do not. Right. Big East does. So now it's not like you're just playing them once. You're going to play them twice. So you now have a 20 game conference schedule. And Big East is like, well, I don't know if it's the only one, but it's one of the only ones that plays a home and home schedule among the big power conferences. So he wasn't happy about that. And let's be honest, 
It's the only public institution in a private league, and that gives them more resources and what have you. So their history, their history of winning national championships, being right in your own backyard, it's not like they're out in the Midwest where you go, okay, we're still recruiting against them, so to speak, but not really. Now you are. So, yeah, he wasn't happy. He spoke his mind, but it'll be fun. It'll You're be preaching fun. to the choir, Matt. I didn't want them anywhere near the Big East. I, yeah. When I got to school there in uh, in the fall of 1986, they were an afterthought. We didn't even, my roommate at the time, Marty Conlon, told me they didn't even really game plan against Connecticut. We just were going to go down there and beat their brains in. And then all of a sudden, this guy, Jim Calhoun, shows up and builds one of the most unbelievable college basketball programs. Uh, the, the job that he did resurrecting them in stores, Connecticut, that was a dump if you've ever been up that way. And uh, and now they win national championships and now they're back. And they were in yeah. that they were in that American conference and, and just sort of floundering and the and the Big East just threw them this huge lifeline. I mean that it, it's amazing. And now Danny's killing it on the recruiting front. He's he's cleaning up New Jersey, he's cleaning up New England, and so he's gonna bring a lot of talent. We know he's not like a little altar boy sitting there on the sideline. He gets under your skin. So, oh yeah. So, so UConn these games now are really gonna be a bloodbath. So UConn's just gonna be a big headache for you guys. And oh by the way, in that Calhoun factory comes Steve Peichel, my friends. Yeah. So uh, he's, he did a hell of a job uh, for sure. So that's just going to be a headache for you guys. But Johnny, we'll, we'll, you know what we'll insert? We'll insert the, the Rhode Island hardwood a podcast so that you can chirp nice. about the Providence for five minutes each, uh, each show, right? Because nice. come on. I would like to, well, hopefully if they get off to a good start, I'll have something to chirp about. If not, we might have to see that until they start winning a couple games. But hopefully they're going to be pretty good. They, they lost five seniors that, that did a lot. Alpha Diallo was their alpha dog pun intended uh he's gone um and a lot of those guys played like big minutes 35 and plus minutes and so uh there's talent coming back like matt said the seat hall is next man up we'll see uh a name to keep in mind is david duke who was picked to be a preseason first team all conference and now is the time he's got nba athleticism and skill can he put it all together we cool. shall see, as they like to say. Very and cool. And let's just let's just say this about Jersey basketball. First off, no Princeton this year, and uh, they were going to be as they are almost oh. always are. Mm-hmm. They were going to be a team to reckon with in the Ivy, but the Ivy shut down. But also, FDU is going to be very good this year, and yeah. St. Peter's is going to be good this year. They'll challenge for the MAC. So you know, Jersey basketball is not just Rutgers and Seton Hall, though they dominate. Uh, the landscape is filled with good teams. So yeah. hopefully we're able to get through it and hopefully we're able to get through and it talk, safely talk about, and enjoy it. Yeah, talk about Rutgers loading up too. I mean, uh, Wednesday night, Sacred Heart, then FDU Friday, as you just mentioned, a, 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 a better team for sure. And then and then Hofstra on Sunday. So they're loading up. And then, you know, Syrac- uh, again, uh, Syracuse in in, uh, in December uh, for the Big Ten ACC Championship. That'll be that'll be kind of cool. But and now you got Seton Hall um, at Louisville on Friday night. Uh, we we think we hope, but we got to see what happens, guys, with uh, with with the possible, um, you know, possible uh, interruptions and, and cancellation of, of games. We have to, uh, that is a, a reality that, that you brought up, Matt, that we have to, we have to follow as well, but hopefully uh, we'll, uh, we'll get these games in and, um, and then uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride in, in, in 2021, just seeing how, how much this virus affects uh, 
the uh, the season. But uh, again, with this vaccine on the way, there's there's some good news on the horizon. Um, so we'll see about that as well. This is the Jersey Hardwood podcast. This is our first episode. We have our site. It's moresportsnow.com. Check that out. We also have the uh, RU Review where we uh, cover Rutgers football as well. It's on that site. All these shows are on iHeartRadio. They're on Spotify. Uh, We're on SoundCloud as well. Anywhere where you uh, find your shows, you'll find uh, our podcasts as well. So check that out. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, So check us out there and we will catch you all next week. I'm Steve Titchener for Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. Bye-bye and happy Thanksgiving.